Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello and welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamflow and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of Monday Night Raw. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review Raw, but also SmackDown, NXT, Oh, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay-per-views. We have premium live events to review as well. We also have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by the Dadly Boys to review Monday Night Raw. What did you make of it, Amphlet? Loads of it was bad. Monday Night Raw is always bad. Um, well, well. But the main thing that we were talking about in the preview remains the main thing that we're going to talk about in the review. Uh, Cody Rhodes is exciting. He brings an air of excitement to all of this. I, like, I look forward to reviewing elements of the show, like a wrestling show, and then get into the bollocks that we talk about when we talk about Monday Night Raw. This kind of gave me a little bit of both of what mm. I want from my WWE. I, it won't continue. Like, there's always, um, I wouldn't say it's a buzz. It's not a buzz anymore. But there's typically, like, a couple of post-WrestleMania vibes that they try and cling on to while the rest of the product just settles back into that 51-week lull. Um, Cody's keeping the vibes there. Yeah. It's like, honestly, like, it's it does have a knock-on. Like, this has always been the case with the top stars. It does have a knock-on where some of the other stuff just resonates a little bit more than it would otherwise. And yet some of it has already gone back to, like, drain-circling nonsense that I look forward to talking about in the way that we would typically take the piss out of a standard Raw. By the standards of a typical Raw, which I hate, mm. <laughs> it's stupid contrived format and its usual abundance of bollocks. This was a 6.5. Yeah. It's a decent rating for them. That's oh, one of the great, like one of the best ones. Ever, <laughs> one of the best ones I've ever awarded because we all know it's out of seven. Mm. Can't possibly be an eight. <laughs> it's been a nine. It hasn't been a nine since the year two thousand. When I roll walking around like it's a perfect forty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But so, so six point five out of seven. Well, I thought, yeah, exactly. I thought Cody Rhodes still came across like a mega star compared to a lot of other people on the show, and I don't think that's ever going to end. So you know. Optimistic. <laughs> I know that they didn't have the entrance, but I'm willing to uh, allow that. It's either one of two things. Either they are 
they just, well, one of three things. They're either getting rid of it completely, which would be dumb. They're just saving it for pay-per-views, which probably I think would be the best option of all. Or wherever they were. Uh, Chicago, was it? No, not Chicago. Detroit, Detroit, Detroit sorry. Yeah, yeah uh, they just couldn't do the arena. So I'm like, well, okay. Look, they never, ever couldn't find a water bottle for Triple H, could they? <laughs> <laughs> they would find a way to make it work. It's worth talking about the uh, the adjustment to his entrance because it seems to me like, on the surface, it's a simple swap out for something he was synonymous with, something that sort of depicts him as a star. Uh, and it's just an exchange for another overtly pyro-fueled, theatrical, big, this guy's a star thing. It's not not notable, given that it's tied inextricably to his identity, the idea behind which was to preserve as accurately as possible to make Cody happy, to preserve the idea of Cody, the star who made a star elsewhere, being in WWE all over again. It's not nothing that it was dropped, what, within two weeks. However, it didn't really work on the Raw, did it? He sort of got stuck. Well, so maybe they were like, oh, it's better this. They just fix the elevator. I saw like a lot of criticism yeah. towards the the box-like structure elevator, and I didn't really have a problem with it. I thought, like, it, if anything, it was sort of them trying to put their stamp on something which already, like, was pre-existing. Mm. You know, like, well, why don't we have an elevator but with a big staircase? It only makes them look more grandiose. I didn't have a huge issue with that. I saw some people that... I think Sidgwick's right. This is notable, and there's, a, like, a variety of reasons. It's could they be saving the middle elevator thing for just the premium live events or, indeed, just the bigger ones than that, the stadium ones? Possibly. But Rey Mysterio got one every week when he used to have the elevator. Like, there's, it's something that they obviously can factor in if they want to. Have they got the money for it Yeah, it's it's their stage. (laughs) Also, I can't believe I'm going to transfer this conversation over from months, literally months of AEW reviews onto a Monday Night Raw one. But certain, like, there were certain elements of Cody's promo last week, as good as it was, and as well delivered as it was, as we later found out, all of it was scripted, mm-hmm. we presume collaboratively, but like scripted nonetheless. Elements of it, as it would have been if it was delivered in AEW, were meant like, ah, oh, that's really sweet, that's really nice. You're also kind of an arsehole, aren't you? Like that pyro this <laughs> week, just like I would have said back in 2019 on a dynamite, kind of made him look a bit like an arsehole as well. Are they simultaneously doing Codyverse stuff by presenting him as this brand new, box fresh, back in WWE babyface, while also reminding you that a pretty amazing heel in there too. Because mm. that pyro was kind of obnoxious. Like elements of his promo last week were kind of obnoxious, and so too was that pyro. More so in WWE than the tunnel. The tunnel in AEW was obnoxious. Red is obnoxious because he was kind of beyond the baby face and heel tunnel. He was special. Mm. You know? In the revolutionary figure, but special. Pedestal. A literal pedestal. In WWE, it's not everyone comes out in the middle. So is he again trying to like could you read into this? Mm. There's an element where he's trying to put himself on an additional pedestal because now everybody comes out from the middle. It's not as special as it once was to be the middle guy. So instead he's like, I want some, I want some noise. I want some fireworks. I want some colours. It just automatically, when you're talking about that, gives me flashbacks to Kevin Nash on Nitro. Yeah. With the finger poke of doing with the most preposterous <laughs> firework display you've ever seen. If you've never watched it, go and watch it all, especially search it out on YouTube with Brian and Vinny talking over it because it's astonishing. It keeps going. Even Nash is like, all right, <laughs> calm down. I know I'm the world champion for now. Um, we also got a major return on this week's show. Jerry Lawler's back, ladies and gentlemen. I never listened to the commentary. He, he uh, said, uh, I'm here whilst Graves sacrifices his future happiness. 
Oh, it took him literally the very first breath to say something misogynistic. I like to think we can take some credit for this return because we've been campaigning for the fiend for months. <laughs> so. <laughs> so anyway, the show opened uh, with the Miz and back and forth with the Detroit crowd, and then yeah, Cody comes out, different entrance, uh, but still a huge reaction with a load of fireworks, as you mentioned. Uh, Miz actually references the uh, the entrance and says, "Oh, what are you trying to do upstage upstage me? Um, maybe you're trying to. You're maybe the only kind of person who." Only cares about themselves. Maybe you're a bit of an egomaniac. And Rhodes says, all right, mate, chill out. Just trying to enjoy the moment, you know. I've not got to experience crowds like this for a long time. What was that about? Like, was he talking about the size? Because we're much bigger than that little pissant upstart. Unanimous praise. Or unanimous praise. I think so. He has, there's little, little tells from Cody that that mixed reaction stuff got to him more than you would have imagined when it seemed like there was points where he was curating it in AEW. Yeah. But so I took I read that as a praise thing, but then I would, you know just, they're gonna you, send him out there to be just just to, to lay the digs in, aren't they? Like happy the, to hand his belt to someone and not receive it back within three seconds chucked into the ring. Yeah. There you go. Ridiculous. It's uh, so weird, isn't it? It's great, man. It's bizarre. Yeah. Um, he poses for the crowd, they chant his name, uh, and Miz says, well, yeah, if it wasn't for your family name, you wouldn't be the grandson of a plumber, you'd just be a plumber. And Rhodes says, well, that'd be appropriate, because you're full of... I almost said it, almost said it, but he stopped himself. Not quite full AEW then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he says, Miz hasn't changed today, not all, he's still arrogant, obnoxious, a full-blown carny. Uh, strange word choice given the discourse surrounding Cody <laughs> over the past two weeks. Yeah, he's good old reliable Mike, but does Cody look the same to Miz? No. Got a big massive tattoo on your neck for a start. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's been doing what he's, what he's been doing. Like, what is that doing there? <laughs> he's been doing this for, he's been away for six years to, to do it all, to come back and win the undisputed Universal Heavyweight Championship belt. And this says, it's a title, not a belt. A belt holds up your pants. Um, and Miz mentioned the fact that Rollins wanted a rematch and he wouldn't be able to surprise him this time. Uh, and he said, oh, I don't like your chances against him. Now it's a fair fight, basically. And uh, he's basically upset, Miz, that everyone's talking about Cody Rhodes rather than him instead of Mania. He starts getting fired up talking about the fact that he destroyed the Mysterio family and Logan Paul. And again, Rhodes tells him, settle down. Look, I respect you. I respect all your accomplishments. Maybe you're acting this way, though, because you're feeling a little bit threatened. Look, I haven't got a problem with a rematch against Rollins. I'm glad to give him one, but now you're making things personal. I am here to take on the best wrestlers in the world. And Miz says, mm, superstars. And Rhodes goes, yeah, whatever, bollocks. Um, and he says, I'm just excited to have my first match on Raw in six years. May the best man win. Another Cody chant. Miz tries a sneak attack, and Rhodes sidesteps him and sends him out of the ring, basically. Great opening, I thought this. Yeah, I thought this was really strong. There's you get there's sometimes some mixed reactions to the wrestlers or the promos who play a little bit to the gallery. Paul Heyman's done it, CM Punk's done it, and now presumably Cody Rhodes is going to have quite a bit of success with this. But we're decades into uh, WWE acknowledging that it itself is the worst thing about wrestling. <laughs> you know, like the Miz as the heel saying, we say title, we say superstar. That's every authority figure. That's WWE commentators. That's WWE itself acknowledging itself as the evil empire. So it's bizarrely, it shouldn't be this way. And AEW serves for many of the things it serves to exist as the alternative for this reason. But, like, why not lean in to your baby faces being against that sort of 
I don't know, like that cultish mentality that sort of surrounds WWE. Like I say, the other ones that have done it in the past have done it very effectively. And Cody's a perfect candidate for this thing. I know it won't suit everybody. I know that some people think it's kind of like too smart ass for its own good. But I just, I've seen it work with babyfaces in the past because people will buy, people, maybe even myself, I don't know, people will buy this narrative. Triple H has done it as the NXT guy versus who he is as a main roster authority figure, you know? Um, people will absolutely buy that sometimes people within the system are different to the system. And if that's still there to sell, Cody is currently the perfect agent mm. for that. Um, this was, I, also, in hindsight, it never would have probably worked as a high-profile enough WrestleMania match. But in, in a timeline where Cody comes back before WrestleMania and starts building a program, this is one you would go to. Mr. WWE in The Miz versus a guy that's come back in having set up an opposition to it. So this promo kind of realised that, if if only for a Raw match, I thought it did a really effective job of realising mm. that. Cody's got more of these that he can have, these sort of verbal jousts with similar wrestlers. And I welcome them while it's still fresh and weird and interesting. And at least they acknowledge that the match had already been booked rather than, well, because of that, we're going to have a fight now. Yeah, absolutely. It was, a, it was just a way to do um, a one-week build across one show because they've got three... I thought it was a one-week build as well. Yeah, because they've got one... Like, they've got three hours with which to fill with content. It's so ironic. Like, Cody is such a thrilling, fascinating paradox because, on one hand, he, as those dug-up old quotes suggest, or all but confirm, he talks out of both sides of his mouth the whole time. He's <laughs> working, and sometimes it's very, very transparent. The trick is make it seem like you're not working, and he's very much kind of, over the past however many weeks, revealed himself to be an absolute worker, and yet, there were elements of this pro, uh, promo duel where it's like it felt real, like the overlapping crosstalk, him sort of playing to the crowd when it didn't sort of fit into the usual rhythms of how these back and forth promos go. Yeah. Not not not, in, not a single hint of a watch hand breaking out. Like he had the crowd in the palm of his hand. Like when Miz was about to say something, Cody heard the reaction, decided to play it to it, just get up off his seat, and it was all sort of. He wasn't going into business for himself or anything stupid like that. It was all sort of fitting because Miz was saying that you are taking over the show and his moment and trying to upstage him. He's like, oh, I can work with that. Tie it into my performance. Like, oh, proper wrestling stuff on the sports entertainment TV show. And they kind of got me with the, the, the belt line first. I thought this was Miz like doing a bit of improv. But then when they went to the, the second reference of like wrestling sports entertainment, I was like, oh, no, that was planned all along, but you convinced me mm -hmm. through your dialogue mm -hmm. and the performance of it that these are two people having a sort of off-the-cuff conversation, like loosely guided by whatever the booker wanted from it. Yeah, Cody, who some might say is the most fake man in all of professional <laughs> wrestling, has somehow contrived to make the most fake-feeling wrestling show feel real. Just, it's fascinating. He's mm. the best guy to talk about in the content. Yeah, it's amazing to see him in this company and to think about where he was previously. I just wish someone had written a book all about, you know, the rise of, of that company. Any ideas, Sid? Well, I have. Oh. And you can purchase it on Amazon <laughs> right now. It is entitled Becoming All Elite, The Rise of AEW. I cannot wait for the sequel. Like, I can't, I I can't, can't wait to write it. I cannot wait for the follow-up, <laughs> honestly. Uh, right, next up, we got uh, the first match of, I think the first match, I can't remember if he wrestled before when he was... 
here before, but they've mm. forgotten about all that anyway. Via Mahan versus one of the Mysterios. It wasn't Rey Mysterio, it was Dominic Mysterio. Rey Mysterio conspicuous by his absence. Also, we didn't have Rhea Ripley on the show, so you sense maybe protocols and stuff. That might have been the reason for it. So I'm not going to have a go at them too much here, especially because I really enjoyed the match because Dominic Mysterio got wrecked. <laughs> he smashed him. Uh, there was a little bit of offense for, for Dom. I think he got a few kicks and a few chops in, but basically when they went to the outside, Mahan counted it and then hit a huge clothesline on him. Uh, another one when he brought him back into the ring and he put him in a sort of, it's a modified camel clutch. I think it's called the cervical clutch for the submission win. I mean, Dom tapped out immediately and then he let him go and then he put it on again and the officials came down let him go. Then he put it on again. And he's just a heartless bastard, basically. Got the whole stretcher job for Dominic Mysterio. And then he was backstage with Kevin Patrick, uh, who uh, asked him why he attacked Dominic after the match. Uh, and he said he strikes fear into the hearts of men, Michael Sidgwick. One quick note before I discuss the actual content of this. I love certain wrestling fans on certain forums which they give their opinions about wrestling. I'm just having no idea about the female anatomy. <laughs> Cervical? What's that? <laughs> Big bags of sand. <laughs> Get some bitches. Um, Touch So, <laughs> away from that, this is, like, I think there's a worker in there. Explosive. Not not thrilling to watch mm. Dominic Mysterio in particular. Just get absolutely trucked, let's be <laughs> honest. But he's literally playing the role of every snarling, grunting, one-dimensional heel um, ever. It's so painfully Vince. It doesn't do a great deal for me. But there's a curve now with the modern WWE monster with a moss and Aziz. And he's exponentially better than them already. So I remain optimistic that in that sort of way where, well, they like him. And they are probably going to push him. So it's actually worth me not going to play Wordle within 10 minutes of the show. <laughs> if you want. So I would classify this as this what we saw as worryingly heatless. However, as a result, I kind of want to give like WWE a backhanded compliment here because you can assume, based on the fact they had their props ready with the stretcher and the ambulance and stuff, that all of this was going to be Ray and it was going to be Dominic having to avenge his fallen father. But. Instead, they had to do the switch, and nobody cares about Dominic. <laughs> so you're gonna <laughs> yeah. have instead you're gonna have Ray avenging the fallen son. They've had to swap it around it, and I, that's fine. Both the best work. way around. Yeah, like ultimately, they've arrived at the best way around. You want to see Ray avenge his son, his his idiot kid that nobody likes. But I would say that's maybe where they lost the heat. I think they earnestly attempted yeah. to get Via some heat in the building for doing this to Ray, and instead they've had to do the swap out with Dominic. Um, which may sound like I'm being generous and giving Veer the benefit of the doubt, or we're just going to have weeks and weeks of silent Veer attacks. But I would put that down to Dominic. More than I anything. like the idea of him on his phone. Too. No, don't worry, Dad. I'll, I'm taking the match instead. Yeah, yeah no, of course I've got a chance. No, I'd, I'd, I'd wrestled for a whole 30 seconds the last time. So. <laughs> Ridiculous. Uh, right, Sarah Schreiber's chatting to AJ Styles about the match tonight against Damian Priest. Uh, and he says, well, I'm afraid about what I'm going to do to those two because when you talk about my family like Wander Stout, uh, you, you know, I'm going to throw hands. And then Damian Priest just walked past and he went, oh, I'll just kick the crap out of him now. So they brawl back. On the side. Have to be separated. <laughs> um, and then we got the match, sort of. Um, there was a pre-match promo where Priest said he was going to prove his worth to Edge and that Styles would face his judgment day. And, yeah, they get into it back and forth. 
Styles is just, just you know, letting out all of his anger on him. Uh, hits a clothesline to send Priest out to the floor. He does that forearm off the apron that looked great. He also did it to send him over the barricade. That was really good. Um, Priest fights, fights back, hits him with a downward spiral. Uh, but Priest, uh, sorry, but Styles fights out of the reckoning, hits him with a Pele kick. Goes to the phenomenal forearm, but uh, Priest kicks him in the head. And then all of a sudden, Priest walks to the middle of the ring as Styles is selling on the outside, drops to a knee. The lights go out. The lights go blue. There's a blue spotlight on his face. And then it ends. The match ends via blue lights. Post, post-match, post I, I suppose technically post-match, Edge, uh, AJ Styles said, I don't know what the hell that was. You're not the only one. Uh, but he's not through with Priest and Edge. And they're Why just are gonna... we glad you go backstage then? Yeah, it's just, <laughs> just baffling. Does AJ Styles, when, uh, like, I like the idea that we've got of bumbling AJ Styles just walking around, not really knowing much of anything that's going on in general. Where did the guy go? Like, is that is that his take? He's got backstage wondering, like, is Damien Priest taking a portal backstage? While he was down selling, did Damien Priest just walk to the back? I love that even the wrestlers themselves can't really sell this nonsense. But fans of goth stuff will go such a long way to make this work. And I look forward to watching them, especially because it's Edge. Like, there's a real Venn diagram here of, like, edge apologists and yeah, fans of Yeah, there's them on social media. I, I haven't noticed uh, <laughs> Not much. You know, like, Dark Alexa Bliss. A time when The Undertaker was knifing open Phineas Godwin and drinking his blood and everybody being like, this is so cool. What a cool step forward for the dead man. I'll, I'll, AEW, generations of it. Before AEW happened and wrestling discourse moved beyond the Attitude Era and things that happened in WWE's past... Bloody missed opportunities. <laughs> People are still like putting Mordecai on missed up, but bloody opportunities list. Say that. <laughs> he had the worst debut match I've ever freaking seen in my life. <laughs> I look cool, though. Wade Undertaker. Like there, Shawn Michaels put the jacket on. He did it. Yeah. Completely had a better match. I told you about that. My my nephew, when he was showing me his wrestling toys, and he was like, oh, this, this is my favourite. Sin Cara. Uh, they had like Rey Mysterio, and he had like Batista, and he had like all different versions of, he collected so many, he had like, you know, five different Triple H's or whatever it was. And he's like, check out this one. My mum got me at the uh, car boot. Sting. Kevin Thorne. Like, Kevin <laughs> Thorne, mate. He's just got dark hair. But I was like, ah, oh, Sting, is it? Yeah. Must have washed his face paint off or something. I don't know. Is Edge next week going to cut a promo saying Priest was there the whole time, but you idiot fans just couldn't see him because you didn't open your eyes? Like, you thought you knew him? You don't know him at all. <laughs> it's, it's great. It's great. <laughs> Do the laughing. <laughs> <laughs> there's a great Brian and Vinny episode where there's a 1999 or 2000, might even be 1999 WCW, where they promote a false Count Anywhere match and someone gets counted out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, you got counted out of nowhere and they just cannot wrap, wrap their heads around the idiocy. Via Blue. <laughs> Via Blue is very much like that. My God, like, how is this meant to look intimidating? How did this end a match? What? Uh, how does this make his headlock takeover any better in his next match that he has? We can control lighting systems. Cool, get an answer on this because weird. But when they came back, they're like, don't the worry, FBI we fixed the lights, guys. Like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to watch the whole show with a blue spotlight in the middle of the ring. It is. That that, that to be seen with comparison is apt because we've said this before. Like the 2000 Vince Russo Nitros, like, get shot. It's once a week on Monday Night Raw. There will once a week be something that like could be held up against. They're the six worst things that Vince Russo did as Booker of WCW. And they've they've normalized something that 
two people, like with the death of WCW, literally wrote a book on that amount of chaos. And it's just what we're doing for the Daft Bollocks segment on Raw this week. You don't even think about it anymore. It's just the, the you know, I'm not that knowledgeable about what goes on behind the curtain, but I can imagine a little board, you know, when they're, they're planning the show out, Veer defeats Dominic Mysterio, two minutes, submission. Cody Rhodes defeats The Miz, pinfall, 12 minutes. AJ Styles, Damian Priest, blue light. Take it home, boys. <laughs> like, ridiculous. I like, because they were having, I, I think they were having quite, I, my mind has now been so thrown by all this. I was like, I think they were having quite a good match yeah, before that. Yeah, basic. I was, I was in the ring and he just disappeared off the side of the earth. Why is blue? Why is blue? <laughs> <laughs> He's a member of the went away community. <laughs> it's just the idea that he's meant to look intimidating and dark and magical. It's just like, just, it's stupid. It's absolutely stupid. Every, every, every single match that Damien Priest ever has. Yes. For the rest yes. of his career. For the rest of his career. Damien Priest is really struggling here. Like, as Raw rolls on, I'll just use your blue light and disappear. Okay, I'll bother. Like, for the remainder of his entire career. Because he's done it once now. Like, we take the piss out of, like, House of Black, all right, when they do the spotlight entrances and stuff. Like, for this reason, well, you can teleport. Like, you know what would really get you out of trouble yeah. in this match? Teleportation. <laughs> you, can't, you, you can't walk this back. I, I, I like the fact that WWE knew that what they were doing here. They were like, all right, that's a load of bollocks. Let's just get Cody out straight after this. <laughs> People will just forget about that immediately. And they kind of did because it was Cody Rhodes versus The Miz next. Uh, as, as the match starts, of course, Seth Rollins <laughs> comes out to watch for a ringside. Uh, that allows Miz to get a bit of offense in, but Rhodes generally controls early on. It's a delayed vertical suplex, but uh, when they went to break, Miz took control. It boots Rhodes out of the ring. Uh, eventually, though, Rhodes fights back as we come back from commercial Fires up, dares Miz, Miz to hit him. Uh, he hits him with a scoop slam. He hits a suicide dive on the Miz. Uh, and then I think they come, they're fighting on the top turnbuckle. Rhodes comes off and slightly tweaks his knee and then does a brilliant self with just a kick. Miz just kicks him in the leg and he flips over and he's selling his leg. And Miz, obviously, as he's been so well trained in it, puts on the figure four. Uh, Rhodes is selling it really well, to be honest. Uh, and he tries to get to the ropes and Miz drags him back to the middle of the ring. So Rhodes just smacks Miz in the face. And reverses the uh, reverses the the power of it. Uh, Miz is starting to sell now. He has to get to a, a rope break, and then Rhodes wins the match after hitting a Cody Cutter and a Crossroads one, two, three, and uh, yeah, more so than than even the win here, and the fact it didn't go to a DQ with Rollins at ringside and any of that bollocks. The fact that they went right there, you go. I mean, it's not forever. Obviously, they'll probably revisit this in three weeks or something. But they were like, right. There you go. Cody, Cody versus The Miz is done. And we're just going to get back to, you know, one of the best matches of WrestleMania, arguably the batch, best match of WrestleMania. Uh, Rollins comes in and uh, said, look, he wasn't ready. He wasn't prepared to face his opponent at WrestleMania. Rhodes had every advantage. So why don't we have a rematch? Rhodes versus Rollins too. And uh, Rhodes accepts and Rollins giggles and uh, dances around the ring. That's his lot now, rematches, and a great deal of them, which again, you can dig up quotes about, oh, I just want to wrestle all of the guys that are at the top of WWE. It's like, well, that will feel not plural for a long, long time. Eventually, it will become plural. That's just how this company works. This match with The Miz, the crowd were absolutely bang into it. A very loud, hot match, elevated by the star power of both players involved. Wasn't blow away awesome. No. They told the most basic story imaginable, selling the leg, firing up. But Cody, by being a star and elevating a very simple structure everyone has seen one million times, with the sensibilities of a pro wrestler, when to fire up, how to fire up, how to sell little moments, how to make chop block 
bumps look great. Even Jerry Lawler popped, and he hasn't been enthusiastic on commentary for, like, decades at this point. This is the measure of a star, doing simple, inessential things that feel essential and really much better than they are in the moment. And we had some concerns going into this on the preview. I think all three of us said, don't want to drag this out. You don't want to make it seem like the Miz is is taking Cody Rhodes to his limit. And they went, what did I say, 12, 13 minutes here? And like you say, what Sid said, in terms of the way that they dragged it out and he sold, you know, the fact he tweaked his leg, for example, it didn't feel like, oh, is he really struggling to beat the Miz? I thought they pitched this really well and the way that they factored in, as Sid said as well, the fact they always go, guys, it's telly, just... It's not. We're not trying to get five stars here. They did a very st- relatively straightforward, basic match, but through through Cody's aura, this was really elevated. Yeah, end to end, this was pitched perfectly, like really well thought through. The Miz was the right guy. Um, Cody, like any great wrestler, just hides that they work in a formula match. The trick is to obscure that it's a formula. The Miz does a really good job of obscuring the formula, but the problem he has is that often he's put in the position where he's got to help somebody else through it. And they're the ones that look like they're following the, the playbook, to use the Triple H term. And then the Miz kind of gets, like, sucked into that a little bit. With a Cody, you kind of felt like he was elevating his game mm-hmm. as well. Like, that, that feels like WWE speak, but I kind of mean that as a shoot, really. You know, you could see he wanted to show somebody backstage that he still had it in him as well to, to still go, like, when needed. <laughs> Um, the heat is obviously super helpful, and a star will always bring that, and Cody's got that for a, a little while at least. Uh and yeah, just just hide for a second that you were following the rules and following the formula and make me think you're in a competitive match. And that was like in terms of the opponent, in terms of the how long this got and the very basic but um, fundamental story of like how a, a TV wrestling match should go. I think they nailed this one as well, much like as Cedric pointed out in the interplay with Cody and the Miz in the promo at the top of the show. Um, don't know if it was a choice don't know if it was something that was very carefully thought about before because they're putting thought into Cody. But Cody, off mic, accepting Mrs. Challenge, uh, Seth Rollins' challenge in the way he did. I think he, like, he was out of breath, but he was like, yes, of course. He wanted away from Seth's theatrics. I believe that Cody was seeing through the stupid laughing, the bollocks and the suit to look at Seth as the competitor he had the very competitive WrestleMania match with and wanting to go round two with that. That bit where the mask slips when Cody comes out at WrestleMania, I thought it was genius when Seth's laughing and he's yeah. usual and then he just, he just for a split second, he's just, he's fuming that it's Cody. I was willing to buy that Cody's acceptance of the challenge was... Intended to strip away the sports entertainer Seth Rollins and remember the wrestler underneath. And again, maybe that's just headcanon, but like if that's me, that's potentially other viewers as well. And doing it through the match is another thing that kind of Cody offers at the moment. It's all very conditional, this, because it's good. Like his challenge is making this sort of feeling last as long as possible. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Right, we go backstage and Kevin Patrick welcomes Tommaso Champer to Raw officially this time. Uh, but before he could do anything, in comes Ezekiel to also welcome him to Mananarao. And Champer thanks him and Kevin Owens comes in, he's furious still that that is not Ezekiel, that is Elias. And he says, no, I'm Ezekiel, I'm Elias' younger brother. And I, I, I think it's Kevin Owens again that, that elevates this, he's pure fume of just like, no, you're you're a lawyer and you've had a shave, basically. And Champa was like, no, he's he's Ezekiel. He just told me he was Ezekiel. And Owens was annoyed and he stormed off and we'd see more on this later on. Interesting way to introduce Tommaso Champa this. The most humiliating introduction of a new character I can think of since Triple H introduced Tommaso Champa to Monday Night Raw in 2019. <laughs> just uh, again, like, it's not going to be a hot take at this point for anybody that's watched the show or indeed been in line after the fact. But that's like, that's 101 stuff of how to marginalise a wrestler is to put other wrestlers in their way and then give them the television time, give them the spotlight. This, we've seen enough WWE to know that this represented a, like a lack of faith in what Champa could offer in a night one Welcome to Raw promo. The Kevin Owens stuff, I continue to quite enjoy. It is absolutely like force of Willborn stuff from Kevin Owens to get this one over in the way that he is um, selling how annoyed he is by the Elias Ezekiel thing. Somebody's got to be a straight guy for it, and I think Ezekiel's doing as well as anybody else would in that role. But aye, this is all Owens. Like, it's going to be... If this match is good and heated, and Ezekiel, whenever it happens, and Ezekiel comes out on top and he's, he's kind of off to the races, it's like a mother of all carry jobs from the guy that just had the WrestleMania main event two weeks earlier. Kevin Owens and Tommaso Ciampa, on the back of this segment, are going to have an eight-minute match completely bereft of heat that Champa is going to win quote unquote when he gets when Owens gets distracted by Ezekiel which is the real quiz Tommaso Champa, like Elias one of those can get over and be a pro wrestling star and it's not the guy they want it to be <laughs> and on and on we go is they are going to have some fun with this if they can keep the Owens response like you say selling it like Ezekiel being handed a guitar and going oh no idea what to do with this yeah. <laughs> Like there's there's some fun they can have, but like you say, uh, just completely bypassing Champa for all. Yeah, I don't want to be overtly harsh, but if you think that Tommaso Champa stood a chance of getting over on the main roster, you realistically need to just engage your brain, <laughs> like rid, like get 
put your delusions at the door, realize what company you're watching, you watch it, therefore you should have a clue, and just Photoshop the um, Tommaso Champers All Elite graphic for like two years' time. <laughs> They're out there, man. Like, there's, there's Gunther in his bright red coat on SmackDown, and the next day, the lists of people that should know better, saying like, say what you will, guys, I know it's WWE, but Gunther versus... Nakamura, Gunther versus Roman Reigns. It's like, yep, like all two to four star matches that like, <laughs> I'm never going to remember the second I've watched them. Great. Yeah, like they're, people just forget. People honestly just sort of see it as like, cool, I, I can't believe I'm getting everything I want. And then feign shock and disgust when three weeks later they haven't been given what they wanted mm. instead they've been given this clown show. Uh, sadly, no women's tag team title match tonight. Uh, Rhea Ripley was away due to protocol. We're not going to speculate on that. Uh, so instead, we got Liv Morgan versus Naomi. So uh, Liv Morgan, they lose last week, on, and then they get a tag team title match, which is preposterous. And then Liv Morgan beats, and I'm going to come to you on this, Sage, Sasha Banks, of all people, on SmackDown. You're like, oh, okay, she's got momentum for her team and then she loses in two minutes here to Naomi, the other tag team champion. It was a Hurricane Rana attempt that Naomi counted into a sit-out powerbomb. Exchange from cradles. Naomi got the pinfall victory. I get it that they were sort of, you know, backed into a corner here in terms of they can't have the tag title match tonight because of protocol. But uh, I don't know what they're doing here. Well, just don't book matches where no one benefits from the result. If you're going to build a tag team, as we've been saying like variations of this exact take for like what five years on podcasts. Mm. I've been doing it even longer on message boards and social <laughs> media. Don't book matches where no one can win because that's what happens when you have champions against challengers who are going to have another match down. Uh, what's the point? I'm not talking about this. I hate our creative. You know what? Because I like this match as well. I like the two minutes that they've clearly like seized Morgan and Naomi here. They've seized it as an opportunity and thought, we can do some pretty cool things. We've got two minutes. We've got two minutes, and they kind of did some cool stuff that I was engaged by, but yeah. it's all for now. Nothing matters. In their eyes, it doesn't count because it was just a cradle. Like, it wasn't you hit your finisher and you get the one, two, three. It was just like, oh, well, that's just a pin. Now. The Sasha Banks match was good too, but it doesn't feed into this story because the story's nonsensical. As you pointed out, the, the booking's totally backwards. I, I, I hate how uncreative they are like they'll have seen right Rhea Ripley's out problem they've not thought about a solution they've just done this proper autopilot stuff your tag team champions were free why not have them win a match as tag team champions to solidify what happened who can they face (laughs) they they were saving Natalia and Shayna and everyone else is like well Queen Zelina's kicking around backstage well not getting an opportunity to cut a promo who was her name What's her name, Wilbon? No, you tell me what's her name. Queen Zelina. Say it properly. I, 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 I want to hear him say it properly, don't you? I can't. Queen Zelina. <laughs> <laughs> yes. She's kicking around backstage. Could have had a partner. Yeah. Liv Morgan could have won a match. Like, Liv Morgan winning a match would have probably been quite beneficial considering that she's just won another one on SmackDown. Like, I just, like, I hate how lazy that specific bit of the process is. But or, then. Yeah, or have you know. her, yeah, in a tag match. I realise that I've got, I've just said, well, who's they going to face? <laughs> have her in another tag match. But have her get a new tag team partner, and that also adds into Rhea Ripley. Oh, you think I'm just interchangeable with, like, in terms of when she eventually turns on her next week? Yes, there you go. We've spitballed two better ideas than what they did with all the actual time to plan something. Uh, Right, let's move on. Uh, We go to MVP's VP Lounge. (laughs) Uh, 
Bobby Lashley, though, uh, crashed it before MVP or almost could come out there. Uh, he said he wasn't invited, so he decided to invite himself. Uh, he talked about being stabbed in the back by the one man he thought he could trust. And he uh, called out MVP to come to the ring and explain himself. No one came out, so Lashley threatened to just destroy the set. Uh, and that brings out Omos in a suit, flanked by MVP, who said, oh, I'll send you a bill if you touch any of that. And he said, well, you could shove it up your ass. Um, MVP said, you need to put some respect on my name. You were floundering in WWE before before I came in. You were letting a wannabe TikTok star lead your career until I took over and made you the almighty. Uh, and then Lashley fires back with the fact that MVP came in for one last ride, but he had to hang up his boots, and now he was, or then he was using Lashley as his meal ticket. He said, look, I destroyed everyone on my own. I went all the way to the top. I beat Brock Lesnar for the title. And MVP said, yeah, whatever. I found someone bigger and better. It's almost, uh, and, you know, you only just escaped. Now almost has got me in his corner. You will not survive your next encounter. Uh, and Lashley said, oh, I'm going to finish almost off, and then I'm coming to get you. And then Lashley smashed up the set as he promised. This is all right. It was a bit rote, a bit basic. Um, nobody can really claim anything. That's what I realized. Nobody can claim anything with any conviction in WWE because uh, it's years of terrible booking. They, they never think about when they might need something. Bobby Lashley beats Brock Lesnar, right? You want to get use out of that in lots of different ways, but you can't actually get any use out of it because you're reminded of the nature of the defeat. Like Roman Reigns came in and did the work and Lashley claimed it and then walked out with a great big smile on his face. <laughs> and I did it! Mom, I'm on telly, you know? Like, it's, you remember that. So neither of them can lay claim to that victory. Neither of them can really lay claim to the successes because you just remember all the booking pratfalls. Um, find the rematch. Quite interested in, like... If MVP's got another match in him, Bobby Lashley getting physical revenge on MVP for turning on him. I why not? Like I'll, I'll snapping the cane over yeah, his knee. I'll take that. I, I guess they can sell me that. But I, yeah, like my big takeaway here was they're just spinning their wheels with Bobby Lashley until they, until it's his turn mm. to get a title push again as a babyface. It'll happen. It will happen. Look at him. He's awesome. But it's just like. I'm already feeling like get to the point with this. I was just waiting for him to break something over his knee, like you suggested. I was really disappointed. Yeah, when that I was happen. disappointed when he didn't. Yeah, this fell flat in the arena and in my living room. If I'm being perfectly honest, there's just something about the tone of the words where I just felt like they were trying to reach for an emotional resonance that they couldn't justify because of the story as it's played out that you've already watched. It just felt like you know, the hurt business. So to make it seem like this interpersonal relationship that's completely been ruined and there's just an emotional depth. I just didn't buy a single thing what they were trying to sell us. I get why they had to do it here, but I'd suggest going forward, uh, limiting Bobby Lashley's time in the mic, just because, you know, I realise everyone's a cookie cutter, John Cena, et cetera, et cetera. But can't you just have a baby face who's a bit of a badass who doesn't really say much? Like, they watered just made me think, oh, don't do this. You're supposed to identify somebody's skills and weaknesses. And Bobby Lashley is not an awful talker, but he's not an amazing one either. No. So, yeah, like... Look how over he got in, like, Impact, for example. Yeah, be more, well, and part of that was obviously with MVP again. Yeah, like, granted. Like the, but it's okay to be minimalist if that's not your strong seat, yeah. but they don't really know any other way to do it. It's like, right, Bobby Lashley's a babyface now. He's got to go and, like, have five minutes with the people before we get to the get to the angle. 
Uh, there's a bachelor party going on backstage at the arena, oh, apparently. Oh, God. Uh, Reggie and Akira Tazar was joint bachelor party with R-Truth and some blokes. Uh, and then they decided to crash the bachelorette party because I think R-Truth stirred some stuff up and suggested that maybe there could be some 24-7 championship shenanigans. We'll come back to that. Um, backstage again, Austin Theory gets granted a US title match by Postman Pierce and Sonya Deville. Uh, and he said, actually, it's just Theory now. Uh, me and Vince decided Austin doesn't really suit me, which for changing someone's stupid bloody name, I thought was quite a, quite an entertaining way of doing it. I'm not saying I agree with calling people just, you know, theory or bloody shorty G or whatever it is, but the justification of me and Vince thought Austin was a bad idea was quite a nice touch. Um, theory leaves, Owen enters. Uh, he's still furious about Ezekiel Elias. He wants his birth certificate or his library card. Pierce says, those are confidential. And he says, all right, how about I give him a lie detector test next week? All the usual bollocks here, and I'm quite intrigued by a lie detector test involving Kevin Owens flipping out. And then uh, Sonya Deville informs Pierce that she's uh, decided on who Bianca Belair will face, and, uh, well, he hasn't, she hasn't got time to tell her who it is. Your thoughts on all this shenanigans, Sige? You just said a blur of things I didn't care about, so I can't really <laughs> comment. Ah, the Austin thing was cute. I yeah. suppose if you, I, as you say, if you're part of this company that is just obsessed with dropping names or making odd changes for no reason, there's a tie to why Vince and Austin Theory would be pissed off with the name Austin this week of all weeks. I suppose that's fine. Uh, the lie detector test stuff won't. They'll rip off the Simpsons gag again. They've done it effectively in the past. It it won't fail as a segment and. I, I'd be a hypocrite if I said I wasn't looking forward to it to an extent because Kevin Owens overselling all this is what's made any of this entertaining in the first place. So they've created a way for him to do it in the ring with a stupid prop. Mm. That, that, that'll be that'll be quite funny, maybe. Oh, God. Rowan's uh, <laughs> champion, show. Bianca Belair, faced quite Selena next. Um, <laughs> brief match again. Zelina did get the last chancery, but, uh, but Bianca Belair just powered out of it. Gorilla press drop. Uh, and hit her with the KOD for the straightforward victory. It was all about what happened after this match, really, which I thought was really quite good. Sonya Deville came out, congratulated her, and said, look, I know you're looking forward to seeing who your your first title defense will be against. Maybe it's going to be a rematch against Becky Lynch. We've got Rhea Ripley, Carmella, Alexa Bliss, Liv Morgan, uh, Dana Brooke, all potential opponents, basically. And Belair said, I'd love to face any of those women. I'll still walk out as women's champion, regardless of who you choose. And Deville says, well, I've got a, an open contract for your for your next opponent. Would you... Feel free to sign it, and Bianca Belair does that. And Sonya Deville says, right, okay, let's introduce your first uh, title challenger. Uh, she's a generational superstar who breaks down social norms. She gestures to the stage. Bianca Belair turns to face who it's going to be, and Sonya Deville chalk blocks her from behind. She beats her down, and she signs the contract. She is Bianca Belair's first opponent. I thought this was genius. Shut up, man. Are you taking the I piss? really like this. I really like this. Do you like this. baby faces looking like complete arsehole geeks? I, I get it. It's one of those where we could all see what was coming. But I, you, I, why couldn't she? Well, because... I want to like Bianca Blair, story by Storyline, yeah. I don't want to do full outrage. I'm going to give a toss about this program at the best of times, unless Cody's on it. <laughs> but I'd, I'd really like Bianca Blair, and I'd like to be able to still like Bianca Blair. Sonia Deville basically read out her Wikipedia page. <laughs> yeah, granted. <laughs> and her like, did an exposition dump at the last 12 months of her career. She even said, didn't she say something to the effect of someone who's vowed to come back and win a title, mm. which is what she had done? Everyone knew there and then that she was talking about herself. 
and Bianca Belair looked eagerly like a total geek towards the stage. She didn't gesture towards the stage as if she was going to come from that way, so... Yeah, okay, right. (laughs) When you take a dog for a walk, Uh right, and you say, over there, that's where I'm going to put your ball. (laughs) They're going to look there because they're dogs. Like I, I, it's such a good job that Bianca Belair has got such a winning innate mm. personality, just such like a authentic, nice. Remember our twenty twenty Royal Rumble post match promo? It was just the nicest thing ever. Mm. Yeah, and somehow it made the Thunderdome feel like a place that could actually harvest emotion. It's a good job she's so good because this book can ruins can ruin people, and mm. more often than not does. She just looked like an idiot. Everyone else except her knew what was coming. So uh, what? Must everyone else think of her as a result? It's a good job. She's great. I think I'm somewhere in the middle of both years on this one. Because so I like Sonia Deville enough to think that, and Bianca Belair's reputation now proceeds her to think this match will be decent, which is not the story they've told me. That's just me deciding. I think the match will be all right. Mm. It's something new. So it's something different. Like I'm, I'm pleased that it's a, a fresher combination. Uh, narratively, this idea that Sonia Deville is apparently, you know. Like broken all the rules of this authoritative position she's got when she's just come off an identical thing with Naomi where she was like making life hell for ages, all that kind of thing. Not so great. They were trying, I think. This was their attempt to be like a finger on the pulsey and play to this crowd of people, myself, I suppose, included, that have been awaiting the return of either Asker or Bailey, right? In in this spot in particular. Uh but it's too effective because I watched this show, Sonia Deville gets the match, it's fine. You go on Twitter afterwards, Asker and Bailey are both trending. <laughs> so what's happened is people have before the, the you know the fix is in and you can see that it's Sonny Deville have thought, cool, one of the wrestlers I really, really want to return is back and they're getting a title shot. So then when it's not them, a lot of fans have gone, uh, oh, it's just there. Like so that's not the exactly a flying start for Sonny Deville. So yeah, I'm 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 sort of, you know, a bit of both in this one. Mm. I, like the match genuinely, like, why not? But I didn't think this was maybe as compelling as you did. I thought it was a great sell, to be honest. And I'm, ju- yeah. I'm just happy that Sonia Deville's getting back in the ring properly uh, and working Bianca Belair, like you say. It's very hard to have a bad match with Bianca Belair. And, yeah, it's one of those, I think what, I, what I've done is I've put my WWE brain on and gone, it's not going to be Asker or Bailey because why would they do that at WrestleMania backlash? You already know with the calendar, which is kind of on me, I suppose, in terms of, you know, I should expect more or, or you know, want more from this company. But I'm like... In Telegraph from the moment the Raw after WrestleMania began, they're like, whoa, 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 don't get that excited for a while yet. We've got a few months until SummerSlam, and that's when we're going to start trying again. Um, yeah, and after this, I should mention, there was a bit with Pierce, yeah, talking about De- DeVille abusing her power, and she went, oh, don't get jealous, which was, that was, a, was an interesting comeback. Anyway, uh, let's go to the joint bachelorette party. Tamina and Dana Brooke, they've, they've had a truce, so nothing's going to happen with the title for them on this party. Uh, here comes... Los Lotharios, the lethal lovers, uh, Angel and Umberto, and they gave him a little kiss cam, uh, and then Nikki A.S.H. showed up, and I genuinely thought, I'd completely forgotten about you, wearing all this gear and stuff like that, and she said, oh, look, I've got you some some strippers, and one of them strips, and he's wearing a referee shirt, and she rolls Dana Brooke up, but Dana Brooke kicks out, and Tamina gets involved into the old drag across the bar with Nikki. Anyway, the boys pile in. There's this huge commotion. Uh, but then Truth reveals he's got a very official piece of paper, declaration, what have you. Uh, no one can attack Dana Brooke until after she got married. And we are getting a double wedding, baby, next week. Look, this is absolutely terrible comedy. Everyone involved looks like a complete geek tosser. It's, it would never, ever, 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 ever make normal comedy television. However, it's still 
far better than the Kip Sabian Penelope Ford wedding because they <laughs> actually had a pair <laughs> yes. of bachelor and bachelorette parties. Still angry about that. Such an gave, open goal. They just gave up though, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. I mean, a, a, a Cody, a double wedding and a lie detector. Can't wait for next week's roll. I said, but, I said like, this in the, I said this morning. Andy did not, Andy did not like me saying it's going to hit three million. <laughs> not happy. What an awful time full of loser dweebs these bachelor and bachelorette parties look, by the way. You know that line in the office where Michael Scott's like, uh, I love inside jokes. I want to hope to be a part of one one day. <laughs> like, is that WB Creative and an actual party? Because all the, how can we make this look like a party? Should we go rent a local bar? You know, the legendary outside shoots of WB's past. Let's put a spotlight in the corner of the arena and have the wrestlers turn up in their outside clothes. Like, every party's the same, and it's always in the back of a bill. That bar that is an arena bar, like, it's one that you'd get your point from if you were, like, leaving your seat for a second. Or your brisket. Or your brisket. I just felt sad. So I don't want to. I don't want to be at like these people's bachelor and bachelorette parties with them. A word on that. I really, really, really like this segment only because I'm going to send it to my friend Matt, who I've never been a best man before, but I'm going to be a best man for him in the, in the summer, and I'll be like, "Well, if it all goes wrong, it can't be as bad as a back room in the arena <laughs> with some purple lighting or something." Uh, right. Before we get to the match, because I have a feeling what's coming here, we had Chad Gable come out. And thank you! He told everyone to shoot, please. And he buried Detroit. He put over his 4.0 GPA. And thank you! And uh, he said, he's furious about the Usos coming to this brand and taking the titles. And he said, we're gonna, we'd have them already if it wasn't for all these bloody distractions and people being added to the matches at WrestleMania. And bloody Gable Stevenson. Uh, he said he wasn't impressed by Gable Stevenson's gold medal because he had a gold freaking brain. And thank you! And then we got the Alpha Academy versus Skip, R. skip, skip, please. Orton hit Gay with RKO for the skip. win. means skip, please. And all this is now time for this. It's short, it's crap, it's wrestling related. The five-star review review. Nailed it! And this week's five-star review review is brought to you by The Merman. If you want to suggest something short, crap, and wrestling-related for us to review, you can do so by subscribing to us on iTunes and leaving us a five-star review and suggesting something short, crap, and wrestling-related, just like The Merman, who writes... Greetings from the great state of New Jersey. I've been been listening to your podcast for the past four years. Do it all in the voice. I've been listening. <laughs> New Jersey. I've been listening to your podcast for the past four years as I got back into wrestling. I started out as a fan in the late nineties, early two thousands, but I kind of lost some interest over the years. I came back because I heard of some guy called Omega having great matches, and now you guys, I'm hooked again. <laughs> I always enjoy your discussions involving all things wrestling. And even though I'm now strictly AEW, hey. I do enjoy, always enjoy your NXT reviews. For the five-star review review, could you do one of my favorite moments from 2003? Scott Steiner challenges Triple H to a bench press contest. What's going on, guys? <laughs> He didn't write that bit. It's a ridiculous segment and shows the range of Scott Steiner. It's about three minutes on WWE's YouTube. Thanks again, boys. Holla if you hear me. Charlie Murphy, a.k.a. The Mo Man. Well, that was fun. 
Only reviews from New Jersey now, apparently. Uh, <laughs> Apologies for that insanely offensive stuff. <laughs> Thank <you. laughs> Thanks for the review, Charlie. Um, take us back to 2003. Scott Steiner, Triple H, and the Reign of Terror. The Rock and Steve Austin have left and everything is worse now. That's what it is. <laughs> that's, that's every week. Did we review him showing up at the Royal Rumble on a previous five-star review review? I remember that. The Survivor Hardy Series. And, Survivor oh, sorry, Survivor Series. Series. Yes, one. Give me the mic. Yes. Yeah. Um, Triple H and Undertaker had this uh, little sit-down discussion <laughs> when Rock and Austin left. I was like, it's up to me and you, man. <laughs> Got to steady this ship. And then it just began the most boring period in WWE history. Speaking oh, okay. of the most boring period in WWE history, Undertaker's got a new podcast that's going to be coming out soon, so can't wait to him losing on the charts just like the rest of the WWE losers to us <laughs> on the podcast UK charts. Fuck it! Uh, so take us back. It was, yes, it was set up for the 2003 Royal Rumble, this, of course, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, Scott Steiner, like, a lot of people believe that by 2002, Scott Steiner had nothing left. But in actuality, he <laughs> would go on to prove in TNA that he had some things left. He was just working with drop foot. Um, they were trying to obscure... What is that? So he's got numb, f- like, no feeling in his foot? Pretty much. And he'd... So he... Cedric will probably remember this better than me. He'd either obscured it a little bit to get his WWE deal over the line, but then they were fully aware of it when they decided nonetheless to book him to go 20 minutes against Triple H. They could have they could have done more once everybody was fully aware of the situation because in the build, very little went on. It was all, as they would talk about in this, it was all kind of like filler stuff to avoid actual physical contact until this, which I think was either the go-home or the week before the Royal Rumble. They were right at the point where there was no other like, bollocks it's, This is the go-home, I think. Yeah, this, this is the go-home, yeah. So this was the absolute last thing that you'd, before the rumble when you were going to have to get physical so by this point it felt like everybody kind of knew what everybody was working with and as long as you know all that you can't go wrong on the night itself and this was the last the last little teaser of that and if anything this was like oh there was was a little physical teaser he can do stuff so i'm sure the match is going to go absolutely fine everything triple h said made me feel really really sad because anytime you watch a promo by triple h from this period you are transported so painfully back to that period i could have just switched off and I didn't. That's on me. That's not on Triple H. That's on me for not switching off because every week he chased you away. Not to jump ahead and not to rile you up even more, Sid, talking about this period for Triple H. But I was looking in the comments and I've not written some of them down. But the amount of people were like, this is when Triple H was the real standout heel back then. And they were like referencing the Reign of Terror like it's a good thing. It was dreadful. There are a certain group of WWE fans who will blindly believe that which is told to them. And I'm not one of those fans. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, like, Cody's on Raw, and we're all really excited about talking about Cody on Raw and what Cody's going to do to keep Raw mm. energised. Like, I'm tripping up over Legacy 3 match graphics on Twitter at the moment. Yeah, I saw some of them. Like, like Autumn was the first Dream match thing I saw. What's Stevie Ossie going to do? Politely. <laughs> politely. What's Stevie Ossie going to do? He hasn't, he's worked two matches in nine years, and he was mid as all hell back then. So when people go, you know what? Drew McIntyre and Jinder Mahal should have a few because of all the <laughs> 3MB. It's like, are you stupid? Like, are you literally stupid? I, I, like, I politely like, were you even f***ing watching back then? Because, like, I, I can only assume that you've seen clips from WWE's top 10 lists or watched what culture videos. I mean, if you have, you'll have been told if it's been anything to do with me and Cedric that this era was all crap. But, like, those WWE lists where they'll show, like, the clips of, say, Randy Orton's uh, Triple H's home invasion with Randy Orton. Like, whoa, look at him throwing him through the window. It's like, I like... That was a pretty lame segment, but as a clip, you might enjoy it. That fed into about, like, 15 weeks of terribly boring stuff, and then there would be the odd week where, like, 
Triple H would run in because Randy Orton's just kissed Stephanie McMahon or something like that or booted Vince in the head. Week on week on week on week of boring Randy Orton promos of this is how you make a name in this business, boys. And the legacy boys just having to be there like stupid Scooby-Doo villains for Randy Orton's <laughs> latest plan. It was garbage. Like, go and watch the WrestleMania triple threat. WrestleMania 26. Legacy explodes. Cody, Ted DiBiase, and Randy Orton. Silence in Arizona for a drab triple threat that was the mega powers explode of Legacy. Mm. Like, even the Wrestle- the grand WrestleMania payoff, Cody's wearing these skin-colored shorts, and he looks like a naked man in, oh, like, love that gear. in white boots. Didn't, love that gear. The burnt orange. Didn't have the knee pads at that point either. Burnt orange, I thought, was a great look. I, I mean, he looked better than Ted DiBiase, but, like, the... A just uh, a dreadful match. A dreadful, dreadful match. Ted DiBiase, you know, like when they do the... I don't really like this guy very much, but I'm vacant, he's back for his title again. And you see, like, that's Ted DiBiase. <laughs> <laughs> Ted DiBiase Jr. is vacant. <laughs> I did quite like that Cody gear. You've seen that? Oh, it's lovely. Yeah, greatly. Um, yeah, I also... Sorry to harp on about this. My favourite is people going, guys, it wasn't a rainy tower. I think you finally dropped the title to Benoit at WrestleMania. Yeah, then he won it back yeah. via via um, Randy relatively swiftly and went, right, back to this again? Yeah. Ridiculous. Anyway, Steiner says, now I know how much I can bench. <laughs> We're going to see if Triple H is man enough to bench as much as I can do. Load up the bench. <laughs> but 585 out there for starters. Jesus. Anyway, he says, he doesn't have to do it. He says, because Triple H, I'm going to embarrass you tonight, just like this Sunday at the Royal Rumble. I'm going to embarrass you and take your world title. And Triple uh, H says, the opposite uh, happened. I mean, Triple H says, uh, let me explain something to you, uh, Steiner. I don't give a crap about bench pressing, arm wrestling, or pose downs. I've been playing games with you for a couple of weeks, stringing you along, having a good time. The fact is, I don't give a care. <laughs> Uh, about any of the stuff. The fact of the matter is. <laughs> it's like a bingo sheet. The fact of the matter is. You see. You see, the fact of the matter is. God damn it. There's one diamond in this business. Uh, anyway, he says, the fact is, I don't give a care about any of that <laughs> stuff. Also, also, sorry, yeah. The pose down and the other stuff they were doing. Like he, lo- he lost them all. He was embarrassed every yeah, week. But like working on the well, assumption... Was it a push-up contest where all the guys just went, oh, just kick the crap out of Steiner now? Working on the assumption, rightfully, that probably people didn't watch. It was like, fucking pretend I won those. Like, let's, let's just reframe that slightly. I won everything. Like, uh, I was playing games with you. That thing where I was completely humiliated and I posed down. I, I, I was actually winning oh, that. Broke my, <laughs> broke my arm in the arm wrestling contest, <laughs> basically. Uh, what I care about is sitting right on my shoulder. It's the World Heavyweight Championship. This is the real quiz there. <laughs> it says they're beyond... Can you throw a shoe over the building? <laughs> it says they're beyond a shadow of a doubt. There's another one. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, I am the best. Not at arm wrestling, not at posing, not at bench pressing, but at wrestling. In this ring, in this world, I am in the best. In this very ring, beyond a shadow of a doubt, the fact of the matter is... <laughs> you see, uh... Oh, God, man. I am the best that there is. Why do I have to do this? Steiner says... Did what, it once. <laughs> you're that damn good. Why wait till Sunday night? I don't think these people here came to see a bench press contest. What they, what I think they really came to see is me come down that rail. <laughs> That's my favorite bit. Me come down that rail, get in that ring, and kick your ass. And uh, thankfully, in the shortened clip, because I watched the long clip, and it was just him walking to the ring. He does just that. He dies straight in, back and forth punches, belly to belly suplex. Wow. Well, this this was it. It was like, oh, 
He has got something in him. I cannot wait to see what they do at the Rumble. It's just that, over and over again. That's all he's got. <laughs> they run know, it back as well. Hmm? They run it back at No Way Out or something. Yeah. So Triple H could have this cheeky bastard man. He was like, it's very, it's very much a, a triple main event. You've got uh, Steve Austin making his long way to return after he took a ball and went home. you got The Rock versus Hulk Hogan, rematch from WrestleMania. And you got me and Steiner too. There's <laughs> <laughs> two main events. That really <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Steiner beats him up. He rips his shirt off. And I, I don't know why, but the thing that really entertained me is the bit of Triple H's sleeve it's still stuck to his hand. It's like the whole shirt comes off, but there's just a bit that's just clearly like the buttons that go around the wrist so it won't just come straight off and a bit of the forearm, bit of the sleeve. And it's just over his hand just flapping about the entire time he gets his arse handed to him by Steiner, uh, who <laughs> proceeds to strip him, basically. Takes his shoes off, throws him into the crowd. Uh, he lifts him by his belt. I don't know what he thought was going to happen. Like, it's a belt. Belts don't break that easily. But what he did is just lifted him by his belt and shook him until all the change fell out of his pockets in a cartoon or something. Or the bits, you know, the bits that the belt goes on your trousers just all breaks off and then his trousers fall down. <laughs> oh, <look at> that. <laughs> Sorry. It didn't make me laugh at the time. But <laughs> the phrase he beats him up until his trousers fall down. I can see why writing that down. I go, yeah, good point. <laughs> Uh, and he sends him into the corner. He bounces out of him. He throws him over his head. Uh, and then he sends him out to the outside in just his socks and underwear, as JR calls it. Because the misery of this period is ingrained in my memory and soul, there was, this was one of three occasions at the time where Triple H, big bitch that he was, was having a pop back at the message boards at the IWC uh, that were having a pop at him. This, the bodybuilding segment, where they ended, I think he ended up in it like he had these tearaway trousers and he ended up in his skivvies. That I might be slightly misremembering that. Yeah, and gold pants on on one of them. Yeah, yeah. And a and a raw. Pretty weird. I just dreamt that then. Yeah. <laughs> Remember the raw tenth anniversary show, which was an awards ceremony at WWF New York instead mm. of just being a good show. Was that hosted by? No, it wasn't the Todd Pettingill one, was it? No, that was a different. One. I, it was this where they basically paid tribute to like the last two years of the show because those are people that would want to turn up and win their awards and nothing else <laughs> that happened on Raw. Basically, Triple H and Stephanie Mann won some sort of award. They'd fallen out on screen by this point, but everybody knew that they were together in real life. And I, I can't even remember the context of how they arrived at this on, on the, at the podium, but Triple H undoes his trousers, gets his arse out, and Stephanie McMahon spanks it. And it's like, aren't these two wacky? Like, aren't, they, aren't our like, really fun overlords wacky? They're just <laughs> like us. The reason he was doing this was because he was reading these comments and like, ah, oh, it'd be nice if just Triple H showed a bit of ass once in a while. So the big bitch, the big petty, thick bitch, just started doing it literally on television. Right, stripping down in my pants. I got tiny pants, get my ass out. Now who's not showing ass? Well, you, because you win all the f***ing time. There's a big difference, you horrible bastard, between actually show The Rock laying down at Brock Lesnar that summer versus whipping your tanned, weird ass out on television. I hate him. I hate Triple I'm glad he's well. That's not, you know... It's not false equivalences and all that nonsense. I'm glad he's all right now. I hate Triple H, the pro wrestler. The worst world champion main event in wrestling history. Even then, even then, what we know about his absolute love of bodybuilding as well. It's like, oh no, guys, my beautiful body's out. Oh no, guys, my sculpted aerobicized ass. It's, it's all over the goddamn ring. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, guys. A lot not, of my, not my biceps. <laughs> a lot of people saying this in the comments, like, oh, no, he's down to his pants. 
which he wrestles in all the time. Yeah, that's right. They're going to see my clothes. <laughs> so he's walking, <laughs> walking away, covering up his nipples or something yeah. like that. <laughs> I don't look, don't look. Yeah, yeah it's my clothes. Uh, go to the comment section. Once again, these do, do not reflect the views of myself. Certainly this first one doesn't. We do not reflect the views of myself, the Dadly Boys, or anyone at What Culture Wrestling. Uh, Mixalago writes, back when Raw was awesome. Good old days. <laughs> Every single time. That should be like five-star review bingo. Uh, you two all know this. You know when you write something, you think it's quite funny, probably on Twitter or something like that, at M. Sidgwick, at Michael Hamflet, and someone goes, that's funny, but this is even funnier. Uh, Edson writes, <laughs> imagine if Triple H had heart-shaped boxers. <laughs> and then uh, I, Aiden writes, uh, even worse, what if you had My Little Pony boxers on? <laughs> God. Just... <sighs> Do you want to have a little game with this one? Yeah. Dardo sucks. I'm going to give you a his statement. You have to try and finish it off. Huh. You're seriously ain't going to show the man, but you're seriously ain't going to show the men bench press the weight, man. That's why. Dot dot dot. What are you going with? This cook world is in the state it's in. Ah, <laughs> oh. you're quite close. I will say this. Um, aye. That's is it. It's not like homophobic or something. No, 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 no. Something we can actually talk about. Uh, That's why. That's why I don't bother with fake wrestling and watch UFC. Perfect. You're like seriously going to show the men bench press the weight, man. That's why I'm voting for Trump. So, God. Uh, Leslie, I, I I don't know what this. uh, You might have to help me with this one, right? (laughs) Oh God. Three H doesn't care about bench pressy. Then again, him and Vince got bodybuilder bodies. Or he fully juice himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what he's talking about. Yeah. I, yeah, can't, talk about the, I can't talk about that. Uh, and Gary Stryver, wow. Uh, uh, finally, Backy writes, uh, again, this is just, how do we get here from Scott Steiner, Triple H, bench press fight? To porn. Well, Triple H gets to go home to Steph. Stephanie, please, I'll beg for it. Don't make me beg. <laughs> Jesus Christ! What? I, I, I love the chain of the chain of thought here. He's thinking that maybe Stephanie McMahon relives her husband's old uh, videos um, on the comments section. See if there's any um, absolute virgin losers in the comments. <laughs> who? Uh, there's nothing wrong with being a virgin. I'm just right. putting it in their heads. Scroll down. Oh, this guy with, um, whose face I can't even see. <laughs> He's literally demeaning himself on the internet by begging for my pussy. Well, he's got it. <laughs> well, he wrote begging all caps, so you know he's serious. Oh, my God, he's, he's passionate. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't hit caps lock suck for anything. Off. Maybe I'll suck him off. <laughs> anyway, thank you oh to no, the... Oh, no, it's not got his personal address. <laughs> oh, oh, well. Oh, well. Thank you to the merman. Back to Ultimo Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want to suggest something short, crap, and wrestling related for us to review instead of a god-awful Raw segment, you can do so by subscribing to What Culture Wrestling and leaving us a five-star review review on there, just like the merman did. Back to Monday Night Raw. We've just had uh, the Alpha Academy and RK Bro. RK Bro won. They're celebrating. Here come the Usos. They arrive at SUV, uh, and they enter, and uh, Orton says, oh, I was wondering if you were going to show up tonight, but it's clear that Roman Reigns has led his bitches off the leash. And Jay says, look, we're the longest, longest reigning SmackDown Tag Team Champions. We want those Raw titles as well. We want a title unification match. 
And Riddle says, oh, you're trying to be like Thanos and get all the stones, huh, bro? Oh, I, you want all the different colors. And uh, Uso's, yeah, yeah, so we've already got the blue ones, now we want the red Terrible, ones. Terrible, that one's not sticking. I won't have it. <laughs> Street profits interrupt. Out comes Montez Ford saying, you know, you're trying to jump the line. There's only, and Jay says, there's only one line, the bloodline. And uh, Ford says, well, we should beat the, beat the Usos and then we'll unify the titles ourselves. And they argue and Orton says, shut up. We'd rather see you fight than talk. And they set up the match, the Usos versus the Street Profits. That immediately goes down after a break, I believe. The Usos are working over Angelo Dawkins uh, and then at ringside, and they chuck him into Orton and Riddle, who are watching, and the Usos get in their faces and turn around into that bonkers dive over the turnbuckle into them, and he lands on his bloody feet that Montez Ford does all the time. Just great stuff. Um, and when we come back, they're still in control, the Usos of Angelo Dawkins, but he hits a silencer, hot tag to Ford, who comes in and just looks incredible. High cross, blockbuster. Uh, Jay, Jay Uso fights back and hits a neck breaker. That gets a near fall. Uh, and then it's just a mad rush to the finish. The Street Profits hit a sort of doomsday device blockbuster for a two count. Jimmy hits Dawkins with a super kick. Jay goes for a diving splash. Dawkins gets his knees up. In comes Ford. He hits that just almost touching the ceiling frog splash that he does. And Jimmy Uso dives in to break up the cover. That's when we get a this is awesome chant. Uh, Jimmy sends Dawkins into the post uh, and gets t- and tags in. And uh, then they hit the 1D on Montez Ford for the 1-2-3. There's a stare down between the Usos and RK Bro post-match. Um, and uh, the Usos seem to have left and what have you. And then Dawkins tries to attack Riddle. They spill out of the ring. Ford's left on his own, so Orton turns around and RKO's him. But as soon as he does that, the Uso slide back in and hit him with super kicks to stand tall with all the belts as the show goes off the air, Hamlet. Yeah, it was a good match, but only a good match for a good match's sake. So it was hard to feel much for what you were watching. Um, Montez Ford will find that feeling. He will, and he continues to. And it's like it's, it's getting boring praising him so much at this point when the Street Profits feel like they're stuck on standstill. I don't want to bring about the end of Angelo Dawkins' career or anything, but it's maybe time to look at what more you can do with these two uh, if you're not going to, say, turn them heel or you're not going to give them any more story beyond just having mm. great matches. Uh, that might sound harsh. Like, gone off getting good numbers in the main event, have you? Like, this is the <laughs> second, week, second week in a row where Raw was completely upside down. Bloodline, boring bloodline crap is fine for the opener. Cody would be cool in the main event because mm. this felt all wrong that they were trying to sell this as... Main event stuff. Uh, look, the top of the second hour they went for with Cody. Yeah, like, I'll say this, right? I've liked the Raw Tag Division stuff enough, and, like, RK Bro's appeal is undeniable, and Randy Orton is kind of always main event adjacent. That I can kind of sort of see how they've arrived at this. But the one criticism about the Raw Tag matches, like, the comparison to the SmackDown 6 I made a while ago was not just for the great matches, but it was because Paul Heyman didn't really need to tell stories with any of those teams. It was just pair them all off and then have great matches. That's exactly what's happened here. So when you try and incorporate into the main event stuff, the lack of story is really apparent. There's no real thread other than, have these teams wrestled each other for two weeks? No. Right, you can put it back together again, do this. Now you bring the Usos into it with the unification stuff. As I said in the preview, I think I think has some interest. I think people, the curiosity of that they might even do it, so you get the one bloodline visual will be enough for some people. But there's no story here. So it's all a real. it's a thin premise for putting it in your main event angle, no matter how good the matches are. So it just didn't feel big time. If anything, it kind of worked against all the rest. As you put all this on in the middle of the card, maybe you feel the stakes, maybe you're excited to watch the match. But because it's positioned in this role, which traditionally was supposed to receive as important, it actually worked against it a bit. 
felt a bit of a flat way for Raw to end yet again. What was advertised? Was it meant to be RK Bro versus the Usos? Was that actually advertised? No, it just said they were coming to. to oh, all right, okay. So again, we don't know what the main event was going to be. Whatever. Like I can't really in in good faith. I love that is the idea though. That it's like one, two, three. RK Bro win, and they go right. Fifteen minutes celebration, I suppose. To yeah. Watch show. <laughs> like I've I've can't be in good faith moaning about impromptu matches. I just don't care anymore. <laughs> uh, it's obviously something I don't like, but who cares? Like, I don't care. They're just going to keep doing it. I'm just going to keep not liking it or having an interest in, in it. Montez Ford, and again, Dawkins isn't bad, but Montez Ford in 2022 appears to have decided to himself on main event WrestleMania in the next two years. Mm. So it's time. He's out there wrestling every match as if it's already in his mind, the main event of WrestleMania, and it's so cool to see someone sort of flourish at that level to take it that seriously to break through in front of your very eyes that it, it just feels undeniable at this point and I got more out of his individual performance in this match and the match itself again the Usos versus Young Bucks debate whenever the Bucks have a good match the, the E-Drones cannot help themselves but like get defensive about the praise like, oh, Usos better and it's like I'm watching it I'm thinking I'm not they're a very good tag team we the ones and zeros yeah <laughs> 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 they're a very good tag team and I like how even some of the WWE fans are oh god if you put them in AEW it'd be better it's like, well, just, that, 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 that's a cell phone that's a cell phone certain elements in this match where I'm thinking how good are you really because when you go to do a splash that is there to be counted I can tell it's going to be counted within seconds because they do this weird thing with their legs when they're doing a splash it's just like <laughs> so there's elements of that but Montez Ford was absolutely awesome in this match like just Strap them up with a singles put. You're absolutely bereft of stars at this point. You've got one. The Street Profits have done all they can do, I think, and he's just a clear star, and they, and that was, again, evidenced on this night. Um, I'm very much in need of a piss. Uh, you can follow me at M. Sidgwick. <laughs> you can let us know your thoughts on this whole show on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, well, actually, you can follow all three of us. As uh, Michael Sidgwick you can f- said, you can find him on Twitter at M. Sidgwick. You can find Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Uh, we'll be back later on today with the NXT... Oh, preview. And uh, watch it there on iTunes. Make sure you leave us a five-star review, just like the Merman did, uh, for us something the to... The Moyman. The Moyman himself, <laughs> uh, for us to review something short, crap, and wrestling related on uh, next week's Raw Review. But for now, this has been the Raw Review. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.